All right. Welcome to Black Consumer News of Arkansas Radio. Black Consumer News, news that empowers. Uh, we want to welcome back our listeners to this week's edition of Black Consumer News Headlines. I'm your host, Angel Bird, BCN's Chief Creative Officer. And of course, in the studio is our co-host, Wesley Brown, BCM's publisher and executive editor. Wesley, good morning. Good morning. How are you? It's been a long week. It has been a, a, a very long week, a very long week of, uh, of uh, history making and uh, a lot of things going on around the world. And we're gonna be talking about all of those things today. Uh, we do have a special guest with us in the studio. We have uh, Mrs. Michelle Wright, and she is um, a big honor for BCN today. She was selected uh, USA Today. Yes, I said USA Today's Woman of the year and we have her right here live on the radio with us here at Black Consumer News. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. I am so ecstatic to be here. Well, we are so ecstatic to have you here with us. This is a huge honor, uh, I know, for you, Michelle, but it's also a huge honor for our state as well as our city. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, she's in good company. Uh, she's with our vice president, uh, Simone Biles. Uh, just a, a, a real nice, great group of women. Oh my goodness, it's 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 a. Um... Uh, it's a it's a privilege and, and an honor I know for you Michelle but again I can't say it enough that we are honored and privileged uh, really to have you here on the BCN um, show with us this morning we're going to be talking to Michelle later on in the show after our headlines about her experience and uh, uh, coming becoming the woman uh, of the year and, and what what that has been for her and more importantly how did she transition into this role and then share this role, like Wesley's saying, with so many uh, wonderful, iconic people around the nation, which makes her an iconic person as well. So again, welcome, welcome, Michelle. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, you're more than welcome. Uh, Wesley, we said it already, there's a lot of things going on around the country. And, and first and foremost, in our headline news is Katandra Brown Jackson's uh, nomination um, for the US Supreme Court. Uh, we're gonna be talking about some updates and what's going on with that. We're also gonna be talking about Ukraine. Uh, unfortunately, uh, personally, I can't really say that that's enough, uh, that enough. Uh, it's uh, a confusing time and it's a, uh, a triumph time. It's a humanitarian time. Uh, it's just so many emotions right now. I know uh, for uh, a lot of the U Ukrainian people, obviously, but also American people just sitting you know, at the sidelines, kind of watching and seeing kind of what's going on and, 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 and wondering how we all fit into this and how did we get to this mess? Exactly, so it's a lot of, a lot of things going on. Um, sometimes we don't think those things really impact us because they are in Washington DC or in Europe or Asia or overseas. Uh, but, but specifically, we can draw a direct line to all of these uh, top news uh, issues that are going on, direct line to me and you, and we can talk about that later, uh, Angel. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, 
I, I say, why don't we just stay right here for a moment and, and really go ahead and let's just dive in and, and talk a little bit more about Ukraine and kind of what's happening over there. You know, one word I didn't use, it's a very scary time as well. And yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and use it uh, because you're always scared of the unknown, but especially when we're talking about a wartime, a wartime that I think I know for myself and many others would never have thought that we would live the day to see this type of war and the threat of a nuclear war facing us all. So um, let's talk about uh, really Putin and his decision-making and then also the Ukrainian people and, and what they're suffering through right now and kind of where America fits into all of this. It's like a rock between a rock and a, and a hard place for us at this point. Wouldn't you say, Wesley? Yeah, I think the United States role in this has been uh, uh, you know, uh, with our issue as 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 the top, you know, top country in the NATO uh, alliance, and also, uh, you know, uh, there are three superpowers in the world today: uh, the United States, Russia, and China, and all uh, three countries have nuclear weapons. And and when when one is in war, uh, that that is always a scary issue because. Uh, uh, in, in this situation, uh, Ukraine, the war of Ukraine, uh, uh, Putin has said, uh, you know, the economic sanctions that have been uh, imposed upon Russia uh, are literally a, a, a war in itself. So uh, no one has said this word, but we really, we are only uh, a few clicks away from a World War III. And I think as we all know, if, if there is ever a World War III, it will probably be the war that end war, all wars because uh, Russia, uh, United States, China, and several other nations such as North Korea, Pakistan, India, United Kingdom, all have enough uh, nuclear weapons to, to kill the world, kill everyone in the world uh, several times over. But uh, the issue right now is that uh, uh, today, uh, the United States and the West warned Putin that, uh, 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 that there have been crimes committed in, uh, in the Ukraine. And when there are war crimes are committed, they're always, after the war ends, somebody has to be prosecuted. And if that means uh, Putin uh, will be prosecuted, that means that, that basically you have pushed him into a corner. And when a man who has nuclear weapons in his hand is pushed in a corner, that's a scary, as you said, that's a scary uh, uh, issue that we're facing. Uh, the other issue, uh, the indirect consequences, depending on us, uh, this week, uh, Energy Arkansas announced that it's gonna raise its uh, electric rates. We don't think that has anything to do with us, but it does. Yeah. Natural gas prices have risen. And uh, uh, the reason why natural gas has, has risen is because of the, the crisis in uh, in the Ukraine, also, and and, so, and certainly the unknown. I mean, that I mean, that's what I, that was my next um, comment was about mm -hmm. how this war is really affecting the economy. I think last week we talked about the gas prices and how enormously high that that is affecting everyone. And uh, we see those prices going up each and every day, and we really don't know where those prices are coming from. But it's all because every, it's almost as if it's like the pandemic. Everything has just you know everything's a standstill and things are just at a stop again. And, and so now 
when things were, you know, moving along and, you know, trade trading was as normal, it's not as abnormal anymore. Uh, and, and especially as it regards to, you know, that 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 trading being a part of the, the you know, the Black Sea, uh, getting things um, uh, traded, you know, through the sea lines. Um, one, one thing I wanted to mention is that I did not realize that Russia was was a huge uh, supplier of fertilizer to the U.S. And yeah. that was that was amazing to me. So one, we may not be getting fertilizer Two, the fertilizer may be um, the prices may be as much as gold would be right um, yeah. because because of that that backup. But I do want you to go ahead and, 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 and really speak as far as how it is really, really affecting our economy and all the prices being driven up. Well, well, we know that the U.S. was already dealing with rising inflation over the last 12 months, according to the U.S. Labor Department, uh, the Consumer Price Index, which is the, uh, one of the, the, the indicators of inflation, has risen 8%. Uh, uh, the, the U.S. Reserve has forecasted for a normal economy, uh, year by year, we like inflation to rise about 2%. That means for everything that you buy, the price will rise about uh, 2%. Well, if you look at the consumer price index, everything that you buy in your shopping basket, every home, every car, every trip that you take, every expensive item that you buy has, has jumped by double digits. Take for instance, the price of gasoline in the last year has risen 35.6%. The price of new cars has ridden, uh, 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 a used car has risen over 100%. Uh, everything, when you, when you go out to eat, that's around 25%. Let's not uh, talk about that. That's really has risen. Michelle, have you been feeling the crunch as well? I feel it every day. If it's not, like you say, grabbing something to eat, are getting gas, it really hits when you go to the grocery store, mm -hmm. even picking up a few items. It's, it's really a trying time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we're having to make choices on whether we're gonna get gasoline or groceries already, or better yet, if I'm gonna travel across town to go to McCain Mall or stay in the city and stay at Park Plaza because the gas prices are really, um, really enormous. And, and as we speak about the economy, Wesley, you know, this is really affecting um, the people of our, of our country as we talk about the have nots, okay? When, you're, when we're already, we have our people that are already at the bottom of the totem pole and can't even imagine what choices they're having to, to make right now, uh, as well as our homeless population uh, also. So I think, again, it is like Michelle said, a very trying time for us all, but what should uh, US, what should Americans be looking at? What should we be preparing for? And really, um, how do we uh, handle or manage our fear? Well, I, I think, you know, you have to look at, at, at certain things you, you have to look at. Uh, we, we generally look at our federal government to kind of lead us out of these crises. But, you know, over the last, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years, uh, there's so much uh, uh, he said, she said in Washington, D.C. that, uh, that we don't get much leadership from, from the federal government. Uh, the other issue, you know, in, in terms of inflation, we generally like to see our income rise 
at either the same level as inflation or, or better. You know, take for instance, if my, uh, uh, if I make $100 and, and it, it rises uh, uh, in my income doesn't go up one year, but the rate of inflation goes up 10%, sure. that means my, my dollar is only worth 90 cents. So that's a scary. The other thing that has happened, and a lot of people has not, the Federal Reserve, which regulates the economy uh, in terms of interest rates and, and basically uh, <laughs> the Federal Reserve oversees our, our, uh, our money. Mm -hmm. and what has happened, most people didn't even notice uh, on earlier this month, the Federal Reserve raised the, the federal funds interest rates, which uh, is the, the amount that banks pay each other for, uh, for to buy money or to, to borrow money. Mm -hmm. that, that interest rate affects the interest rate of everything else, such as credit cards, cars, everything we buy using that we get a loan or, or borrow money from our credit cards. But more importantly, it affects mortgages. Yes. Uh, uh, when interest rates go out, the, the, the way the Federal Reserve try to uh, halt inflation or slow down inflation is to raise interest rate. Because mm -hmm. what happens when you, you, when you have to pay more money for your money? You buy less. Sure. And what, and what happens when, when, when uh, that happens is you know, the one thing, positive thing about our economy has been home sales. Uh, we've seen a record number of home. If you had a house that was worth 150,000 two years ago, it's probably worth 250,000 now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you can use your house as a bank, as equity. But now uh, with interest rate rising, uh, even today a report came out uh, from the National uh, Association of Realtors that said refinancing for homes went down 15%. And that's the first time that's happened in the last two years since the pandemic started. So uh, what we're gonna see, and it's gonna take something almost miraculous to get us out of the situation, the economic situation that we had. Uh, the war, if the war continues, we'll always deal with that. Uh, but we're just dealing with the supply chain issues, uh, everyday issues uh, uh, where our money is really not worth as much as it was two years ago. Oh yeah, and and, and again, we can't um, talk about the supply chain issue uh, enough. So I think this is also a time for people to think about, to actually think about more about their spending and, and, and think more about saving those dollars for what we always say, a rainy day, right? And uh, because we really don't know what the future holds for us at this point. And it, it's kind of hard to be with, you know, live within the balance, so to speak, because yeah. you're, you're, you're working every day, you're doing the things that you normally do every day. And yet, you know, we have people suffering around the world and we were in, you know, possibly in the middle of a war ourselves and, and sending troop over uh, to, to Ukraine, because it is a very sad situation at this point in a very vulnerable situation uh, for the, the U.S. But, but you know what, one of the interesting things, uh, Angel, and, and you and I have talked about this in the past on this show, mm -hmm. is that Black people are, we know how to live within our means. We know how to deal with, with situations when, our, when our, our dollar doesn't go as far as what we need to buy, 
or, or our situation seems, you know, seems dark. We, we dealt with those situations, all right? Uh, even with the housing situation, uh, Blacks have, have, have had their wealth stolen. There was a report earlier this week that well far ago before mm -hmm. uh, for, uh, uh, has denied Black homeowners mortgages. There was one instance where uh, a Black family who, who, who had two professionals that made over $100,000, they had perfect credit report. And, and then compared to a white family who had, didn't have a good credit score, uh, but Wells Fargo, when they looked at those two people, uh, they gave a, a mortgage uh, to the white family and denied uh, not the black family. We know about those things. We deal with those things every day. We know uh, uh, how uh, we've had our wealth stolen. Uh, we've been denied mortgages, access to credit. Uh, so if anybody that's gonna come out of this situation stronger uh, is the black community, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, like you said, you know, we can, we can look at the, you know, the, the, the downside, uh, but it seems like these situations come along, they always seem to make us stronger. Oh, absolutely. And um, I think, again, I, I know there's a lot of things that people are looking at at this time, and they say your, your, our, our credit score is really the, the new uh, Jim Crow. And so yeah. we, we, we still have to, um, um, uh, people of color, brown people are still having to deal with a lot of inequities uh, right here on our own, own soil, which is um, certainly unfortunate and still deal with um, racism. And um, so there are a lot of things uh, as we look at uh, things that are happening around the world in other countries, there's a lot of things that we need to be looking at and dealing with and fixing right here in the good old US of A. In Little Rock. <laughs> <laughs> when you say let's let's break it on down, let's let's pinpoint it, right? Mm -hmm. I, I tell you, I tell you, right? Um, let's um, uh, switch to transition a little bit here, and let's talk about Katanja uh, Brown Jackson, uh, first uh, black woman uh, to uh, be uh, nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court, mm -hmm. and I will tell you, it's it it feels like a really proud moment um, once again. And I will tell you why for me, it, and it, it may sound frivolous to a lot of other people, but she is wearing braids in her hair. And that in my view is telling people of color, black people, black African-Americans that look, I do know who I am. I am representing excellence here. Right. Uh, I, I want to talk about her um, her resume, if you will, um, Wesley, as we look at the other other candidates that were uh, being um, measured, if you will, uh, you know, against her and um, uh, her competitors or what have you, which was was which was no measurement at all. Right. <laughs> when you when you really look at it and once again, have never felt so connected to a nomination uh, of this sort, I know for myself, and, and I, I really know for many others, because it's amazing when you see someone that looks like you, then you really pay attention. And Michelle, I know that you can agree with that as well, and especially a black female. Oh, wholeheartedly, it's such a exciting time, a historic time. So we are definitely in her corner as she continues to make history. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And so again, Wesley, uh, let's kind of go back and 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 in the first things first, so to speak. Let's look at her credentials, as you will, as as um, uh, the 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 U.S. has Senate has has looked at it and 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 compared her against um, two other candidates. And and let's just talk about um, what uh, um, um, was the comparison, if you will. Well, I, uh, you know, uh, there were several. First of all, it goes back to the fact that a year ago, uh, President Joe Biden made a promise, uh, and, and even more so than, than President Obama, who's the first black president, he has named, he has committed to putting uh, black people in positions at, in, in the federal government and on federal agencies in a, in a, in a, at a rate that has not been seen in US history not only uh, in, the, in the federal courts, but uh, uh, the Federal Reserve, which we talked about earlier. There are two, uh, there's a black woman that has been nominated to serve on the, serve, the first black woman to serve on the Federal Reserve, which is, most people know, that's almost as important as the, the Supreme Court. Uh, speaking, going back to Katanya Brown, uh, Jackson Brown, she, uh, she's a Harvard graduate, uh, she's, uh, she's risen up the ladder uh, in the federal court system. She was uh, a law clerk uh, for the U.S. District Court in Massachusetts, uh, uh, and then she uh, 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 she spent some time in private practice. Uh, then she came out of prop in, in Washington D.C. in mm -hmm. one of the top law firms there. Then she clerked, and you've talked about this in the past, uh, Angels for Justice Stephen Breyer, uh, who is the, the, the Associate Justice who is resigning. Uh, she, she clerked for him from 1990. He, he spoke on her behalf, didn't he? Yeah, he, he, he uh, uh, and I think uh, that helped uh, President Biden make a decision. She, he, she clerked for him from 1990 to 2000. And if you understand the, uh, the, the system to becoming a Supreme Court Justice, clerking for in the U.S. Uh, uh, federal system is uh, always puts a a, a big uh, button uh, 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 or star on your resume. Uh, in 2009, uh, President Obama nominated uh, Jackson to become vice chair of the U.S. Citizens Commission. Uh, and she, this is not the first time she she's come before the United States uh, Senate or the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, because the, that committee has to confirm all federal judges. Uh, and she was confirmed by unanimously uh, in 2010 uh, to, uh, uh, to that commission. And she's, uh, uh, Obama also nominated her to be a federal judge for the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia in mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. Appeals, right? The, the State Court of Appeals. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. So she's, she's really... Uh, and, and all of those during her 2012 confirmation hearing, uh, mm -hmm. the, the former uh, U.S. House Speaker Paul Ryan, who is who's a relative relative of, of hers through marriage, uh, praised her. He uh, he said he said this: "Our politics may differ, but my praise for Katanja's intellect, for her character, and her integrity is unequivocal." Uh, and a heart and a Harvard uh, uh, graduate. <laughs> yes, she is. So, 
when you look at her, her, her credentials and her resume, I don't know if there's ever been, uh, I mean, she has a strong resume as anyone that has ever uh, been nominated to serve on the Supreme Court. Sure. Uh, uh, and if the Democrats ever get back in power, she could be, uh, you know, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. She has those types of credentials. Uh, now, the, the situation that she's going through before the, uh, that she'll go through over the next few days is mm -hmm. always, you know, over the, you know, the past few years is very dirty. Uh, Arkansas Senator U.S. Cotton today, uh, Tom Cotton earlier this week, you know, she he talked about that she was soft on crime and that she did this and that. Uh, and a lot of, if you, you pay any attention to those confirmation hearings, especially regarding Katanja, it's tinged with racism. There's questions about critical race theory, about her being light, light on crime, being liberal, and, 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 and even one Senator asked her that she was soft on child pornography, uh, which is ludicrous. Uh, but once she gets to that, all she has to do is get 50 Democratic senators, which is, uh, is, is what President Biden has, uh, to, to vote for her. And then if, if that happens, then, then uh, there's 50 Republicans who, who may vote against her. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we have the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, who can come in and break the tie. And that's what I expect to happen. Uh, hopefully, I hope to see some, uh, some Republicans, uh, uh, such as Mitt Romney and others, vote for her. Generally, in a Supreme Court nomination, the senators from, from Republicans and Democrats from, from her home state generally will vote for her, but we haven't seen that in recent years. Oh, absolutely. So, again, excited um, about her nomination, excited uh, about the hearings, and even more excited to, to um, uh, get in line in congratulating uh, Katanja uh, Brown Jackson. And again, um, it's the hair for me, uh, Michelle. What about for you? Yes, especially with everything going on with the Crown Act. It's just timely. So I love the hair and I love how she's rocking this entire situation. Hi, mm -hmm. and especially um, as Wesley was talking about her so eloquently, her background, such a strong background and, and one of the strongest background of any US Supreme Court nominee. And she chose to wear her hair to represent her heritage. Um, braids and we can't get any closer to our heritage than wearing um, our hair locked or in braids and it sends a signal uh, I think not to all women but also young women young girls to say you know it's okay be who you are you know uh, that you're resilient in, in any in any situation and that um, you can make it all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, whether it's a nominee or she, she gets the nomination or not. Uh, she still has made history, and she isn't she is an icon. Uh, period, and uh, she she's um, um, doing an excellent an excellent job. Uh, even in her interviews, uh, I, I read that people are enjoying just hearing her speak. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and it, it's exciting for me because. Uh, my niece, who I'm very close to, we uh, we talk at least once a week. Uh, she's she, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's a federal judge, and she's watching this. And 
we talked the other day, she was so excited uh, about this process. And, and my, my niece is, is, is in Indianapolis. She served as a US uh, district prosecuting attorney. She's now a, a federal judge in Indiana. And this gives her some hope because uh, 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 we, me and my niece have, have talked about and, and talked about the Supreme Court and talked about uh, you know where she is right now in her career. She's on that same, you know, that same kind of ladder that that that, that, that Katanja was on, and, and uh, so so it's not. Yeah, just that's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Again, just just the idea of it all, um, the symbolism, the the image uh, of this black woman being nominated in in, um, in front of the whole entire world. Uh, it, 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 it is uplifting and, and we need these moments. We need more of these moments. And, and, I, and I feel like these are not our last, the last moments for us. I think it's gonna expedite, ex expedite themselves. And uh, especially, certainly when we are doing the right things, certainly when we're doing the right thing. So as we talk about uh, uh, women and powerful women, uh, that leads us to our guests today of USA Today's Woman of the Year from Arkansas <laughs> is joining us. Uh, Mrs. Michelle Wise Wright uh, is here in the studio with us. And again, Michelle, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'd like to take a moment just to read what the USA Today said um, uh, about the honorees. They are strong and resilient women uh, who have been champion of change across the country, leading and inspiring as many as, um, excuse me, as they promote and fight for equity and give others a place to seek help and find hope. Again, Michelle, welcome to Black Consumer News. Thank you so much for having me and I would not have missed this for the world. All right, uh, Michelle, uh, she's a co-founder of the National Organization of African-Americans with Cystic Fibrosis. And um, she definitely has a beautiful story to tell about her journey uh, with her husband um, that has, well, she, he discovered he had cystic fibrosis after uh, many, many years. Um, but first, Michelle, I wanna ask you, where were you when you got the news that you were woman of the year for Arkansas? I was actually at home just waking up to my husband's famous gourmet coffee. And I sat down when I actually read the email, I thought it could have been spam. Then <laughs> I continued looking closer and I was just blown away. It's ironic because we just had another article during that same time to come out in USA Today to tell our story and our journey with cystic fibrosis. But it's, it's, it's just a dream come true to get such an honor and be among the phenomenal women that have also been honored. Absolutely. Take us through a little bit when we talk about nominate nations, take us a little bit through that process. How does that all kind of happen? And then we're going to talk about your cause and then also some of the things that you're planning to do in the future. Well, I do know there's a formal nominating system. So whoever nominated me, I want to thank them. <laughs> let's, let's do that first. <laughs> yes, as soon as I find out. But I am just 
glad that uh, someone considered me to be deserving of this honor. So again, I'm just on cloud nine, but what's important is to use this opportunity to be a voice and to make an impact for those that are less fortunate, underrepresented and disadvantaged. And that's what it's all about. It's not about just the honor, but the honor of being able to use that honor for the betterment of others. Oh, absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about your, about your, your husband's story, uh, really about your, your journey, you and his journey, uh, discovering that he has cystic fibrosis and um, how and what that's been like for, for you and him and, and, and not knowing all these years. It has truly been a journey. When I first met my husband because of my pharmaceutical background, I knew something was wrong. Every time he would eat, he would get extremely ill. Sometimes he would make up to two to three visits to the emergency room because, because of extreme pain in his stomach that he would describe like a donkey kicking you in your gut. So I knew something was wrong. Also because of my pharmaceutical background, I knew the signs of having pneumonia. So when he was complaining of chest pains in early 2000. I said, this sounds like this could be pneumonia. So I encouraged him to go to a walk-in clinic that was a couple blocks from our home at that time. And I would never forget the doctor saying, if you were not black, I would say you had cystic fibrosis. Wow. That was the first time we heard of cystic fibrosis. And the last time until 17 years later, he was diagnosed at the age of 54. And keep in mind, during that time, you are talking about numerous surgeries, gallbladder removal. He even had an eight hour uh, pancreatic jejunostomy, all these surgeries, all these hospitalizations, um, extreme impact to the quality of life, even your mental health. Uh, when something as simple as a diagnosis would have made a tremendous difference. Something as simple as pancreas enzymes could have made a difference in even being able to keep down his food. And so we are using our journey now to again, bring awareness to health inequality and to make an impact. Yeah, that, that's ab absolutely wonderful. And, um... Again, it's something not common in African-Americans to have cystic fibrosis. And uh, I can't even imagine uh, being sick for so many years and not really knowing what was going on. Um, so tell us how Terry has handled this, this challenge, your husband. Terry is such a trooper. And he actually inspires me because he has taken this and really shined as far as his heart and as far as being open with his story. I mean, this is a vulnerable story because you're dealing with all these issues with having cystic fibrosis. Well, not even knowing you had cystic fibrosis, for instance, being infertile and all these other things that, you know, that, that impact him, but not understanding what was 
taking a toll on him. So it was, it was a journey. You know, when you hear somebody talk about as a child, the pain was so intense that they just wanted to die, then that speaks so much. And we know Terry is, he's unique, but not unique. And I say that, that we believe he's not the only one that's out there that's being missed based on unconscious bias, making perceptions that just because you are of a certain race or ethnicity, you cannot have a certain disease. And based on that, it prolonged his diagnosis and almost made the difference between life and death. Wow. And um, again, it's unimaginable that he's gotten through all these years, but you gotta be a, a special type of person to um, get through that sort of pain and the, the not knowing, but uh, here we are and it, ha and it has been discovered. And so how is Terry doing now? So Terry is doing fine and we've taken all of that energy and we came together and we are using the power of synergy. And that's why we started the National Organization of African-Americans with Cystic Fibrosis to help engage, educate, to raise awareness. We've done several other initiatives. We've done the annual Blacks, Indigenous, and other minority ethnicities with rare and genetic diseases, also known as the BioMerge Conference. We've done different AHEAD initiatives to advocate for health equity, and address disparities. And one of the things we're really proud of is writing and directing 54 Years Late, the doc, docudrama that tells Terry's story. And we have won over 50 accolades for the movie, wow. including being nominated for the 2022 Black Reel Awards. So we are ecstatic. So we are really working to get the story out and it's making Terry feel good about his journey. Uh, we even develop a screening tool, which is called the Right Cystic Fibrosis Screening Tool to allow patients and individuals to potentially self-diagnose and understand the signs and symptoms of cystic fibrosis and to not assume just because they are not ca Caucasian that they cannot have cystic fibrosis. And so those are some of the many things we are doing to just bring about a positive impact across all different dimensions. Now let tell me, me, oh, go ahead, Russ, I'm sorry. Well, let me ask, uh, I, I wanna ask if the, just kind of calling out to our listeners though, that are listening to this show, if uh, a person was dealing with some unknown sickness and, or, or going to uh, a situation, uh, you, you mentioned the fact that Blacks deal with health disparities. Sometimes we don't go to the doctor or we'll suffer in silence. What are some of the signs, uh, some of the initial signs, uh, uh, one that your husband saw and that that as you're educating people, what do you tell them? What are some of the initial signs to watch for concerning cystic fibrosis? One of the first ones is salty skin. 
And because my husband was such an athlete, he would run marathons, bike a hundred miles. He would always tell the doctors, why is it I have all this salt over my body? It's causing me to become dehydrated. Can you help me? That was the number one classic signs. And again, it went over their head. There's also uh, coughing and wheezing and having trouble breathing. There's recurrent and chronic respiratory infections. Uh, also nasal polyps. Um, a lot of times because of the issues with ducts being blocked, there's freaking loose stools. A lot of times they have the inability to put on weight. Um, he had chronic pancreatitis. And so, and as I mentioned earlier, infertility. So those are just some of the, the um, signs and symptoms. And so with the screening tool, um, tell us a little bit more about that. Is that something that is online? And does it ask some of those same questions? It really does. So it's a checklist. So patients, we have it where patients can download it free on our website, which is noacf.org. We pronounce it noacf.org, which are the abbreviations again, for the National Organization of African-Americans with Cystic Fibrosis. So they can actually go to our website and download it. We have it in both English and Spanish. We also have it available for both patients and providers. And so this is an opportunity for them, different individuals across different, again, walks of life, races and ethnicity, to understand the signs and symptoms of cystic fibrosis and to do a self-check with this checklist. And so give us that website one more time. That's N-O- A-A. A-A, uh-huh. C-L. And that stands for the National Organization of African-Americans with Cystic Fibrosis. Okay, got you. So, yeah, so N-O-A-A is in alpha, W as in with, right? And then S as in cystic, and then F as in fibrosis, correct? So it's N as in Nancy, uh -huh. O as in orange, A as in apple, A as in apple, C as in Charles, F as in Frank, dot O-R-G. Okay, got you. I just wanted to make sure we had that correct, okay? Because uh, yeah. yeah, because so, sometimes on the, over the airways, things get a little, little bit um, stifled, and I wanted to make sure that everyone listening in uh, understood what that website was. I want to go back and talk about synergy. You mentioned that um, uh, as it rates, relates to other people and giving them a, a, another outlet. Or, or, or thinking about <clears throat> thinking about this condition and knowing that, you know, I can go to the website, check any symptoms, talk about different things. And as Wesley said, somebody might be listening in and thinking, hey, I may have some of those symptoms. I need to talk to my doctor about those things. Have, let me ask, have you had talked with others that have had 
a similar story and or are dealing with cystic fibrosis now and that are, are happy that you're bringing this awareness to the disease. Absolutely. There is hardly a week that goes by where someone doesn't reach out to us and tell us the difference that we are making in the BIPOC community, not just the African-American community, but Blacks, Indigenous, and people of color. About a couple of weeks ago, we learned of this young African-American mother that just had a baby mm -hmm. and found out that baby had cystic fibrosis and she was devastated. So I reached out to her to encourage her to tell, you know, tell her about Terry's story and to let her know this baby can live a long, beautiful, prosperous life. My husband is about to turn the big six zero this year. And so there's so much hope, especially with the breakthrough with medicines. And I wanted her to know we as an organization is here for her and to support her. So that is what we are doing. Okay, that's wonderful. So I also wanted to find out a little bit more about this docu-drama and uh, kind of how all that came about and when did you guys film this and then can people actually go out and screen it and tell us a little bit more about the docu-drama. So I woke up in the middle of the night one day and I said, we have to tell this story. And I reached out to a good friend of mine in Dallas. I told her my vision. And within about an hour and a half, I wrote the script. And within a couple of weeks, the script came to life. I you know, relied on good friends and people to come to the table to help bring it together from my, my mentor, Dr. Amy Hester, to Roger Robinson, who came and filmed it, and uh, David Weekly, who helped to edit it, and all these wonderful individuals who volunteered their time. Even Shauna Lindsay out of Dallas and her husband came down, and we just made it happen. I did not anticipate the impact the positive impact the film has been making, especially again with all the accolades. I was just in DC about a week ago and won the Best Actress Award. Um, Shauna Lindsay won the Best- Congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I have won Best Director, Best Producer, all these different accolades. But what's most important to me is the impact people feel once they actually get the opportunity to watch the film. And you can go to our website at noahself.org um, to see the film. And you can also click on the website for the movie, which is 54yearslate.com and assess the film from there as well. But we love to hear feedback from people as far as how the film um, really has impacted them. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. And again, congratulations. Um, I'd like to um, ask you about the pandemic. How has it, how has it been a challenge? It's been a, a challenge for everyone, especially women. And so what has helped you? Well, I have a strong relationship with God. So that always 
helps me. He's 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 always there and in, in him we live, we move and we have our being. But strong relationships help too. Having a friend like a Angela Burke, you know, having a good husband that's right there by your side, having those strong family ties, but also looking within yourself and finding that inner strength because the time during the pandemic allowed me to create and to conceptualize things I normally may not have had the time to do. So sometimes it's taking even what could be perceived as the worst times or most challenging times of our life mm -hmm. and using that energy to convert to synergy, to make a difference and to create something that's life-changing, not only for yourself and not only for today, but for generations to come. Oh yeah, that's wonderful. Um, now looking at that, this is the um, award for the woman of the year. You know, as a woman, there's still a little girl inside of us all. And so what advice would you give to young, young girls today and uh, about, you know, becoming the woman that they want to be one day? I would tell them it's okay to strive for perfection, but be realistic when it comes to being perfect. I would advise them to instead strive for excellence and know and recognize how special and beautiful and wonderfully made you are. And if nobody else understands and appreciates the wonderful and beautiful person you are, become your biggest advocate and cheerleader. And be kind to yourself, be patient, and know that the best is yet to come. Okay, that's absolutely wonderful. And then you, you, you talked about knowing that, that you're beautiful. What is your definition uh, of beauty? To me, beautiful and beauty is about the inner person and using that inner person to make a difference, to shine for others. And if your light is not shining to make, to bring beauty to the lives of others, then it's lacking what I call being beautiful. Beautiful to me is when you shine and you glow, um, not just for yourself, but for the love of others. It radiates and it makes a difference. Yeah, that, that, that's truly, um, you know, exactly the way that um, I look at beauty as well. And, so when you look at that beauty in, in other people um, and you can see that value, let's talk about some of the people that uh, you have admired that have made Michelle Wise write the woman that she is today. It would definitely be my mom, both my parents, but with this being uh, International uh, Women's Month, I just focus on the women. It would be my mom. It would be individuals like my mother-in-law, Rose Wright, who's always there for me. Uh, it would be individuals like my sister. It would be the silent unsung heroes that's 
on the street, uh, you know, feeding the homeless and doing all these different things, not for any type of recognition, but to just to make an impact in the life of others that are not as fortunate. And Angel will be people like you that's using their voice through platforms like this to allow people like me to share my voice. There's so many people that have made an impact in my life. And I would tell people, even if you can make an impact in only one person's life, then your work is not in vain. Make it happen. Oh, I, I love that. I love that. Um, I read a quote that, that you gave USA Today. I'm gonna tell you the quote. Um, I'm gonna read the quote, I should say. And then I want you to tell us what that means. Um, Adversity hurts, but quitting hurts more. We cannot control adversity in our life. Matter of fact, it's inevitable, but we can control how we react to it. And nothing has ever devastated me more in all the different levels of adversities that I have faced than throwing in the towel and quitting. And in this day and time, if we're going to make it, we have to know that quitting is not an option, even in the face of adversity. Yeah, I think that is so eloquently put. And, um, and those words, uh, hopefully to anyone that's listening, men or women, uh, hopefully it rings true to their hearts and they, they get a, a, a better understanding that we all go through adversity, but we just got to keep, um, you know, making sure that uh, we are trying <laughs> and, and, and don't stop, don't quit, as you say, right? Yes. Well, my goodness, Michelle, this has been a wonderful interview. Wouldn't you say, Wesley? Yes, it's uh, 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 like Michelle said, adversity uh, is one of those things that uh, if you if you live life long enough, it's uh, going to happen to you. Uh, but I think it, especially uh, she talked about her Christian heritage and her Christian faith. Adversity is really what makes us who we are and how we come out of those situations. Uh, uh, so. Uh, Michelle, continue to, to, to be a blessing to others, continue to be uh, 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 that, that person who others will look for as a model of faith. Yes, and keep, keep that light a shining so we, could, we can all connect right to you and glow with you because you're, yeah. defi you're definitely glowing and you're, you're, you're definitely a light. And again, I can't thank you enough for coming on Black Consumer News and sharing a moment in time uh, with your prestigious uh, Woman of the Year for 2022 award, again, with Black Consumer News. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. And remember, the best is yet to come. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Black Consumer News. Thank you. Before we go, I, I want, I think we have a, about, about two minutes left, but I want to remind our listeners that Mayor Frank Scott will deliver his state of the state address on, uh, I think it's on uh, March 28th. Uh, it's called, his event is gonna be at Southwest High School at Maple Bell Pike. Uh, the event is called Growing Forward, 
And uh, it's gonna be a live venue. You know, the last few years, it's been held virtually due to the pandemic, but mm -hmm. this year's gonna be uh, live. You can actually go out at Southwest High School and attend this. It will be streamed also on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, uh, so this is- uh, Does uh, it have a time Does it have a time on there, Wesley? Yeah, it starts March, on Monday, March 28th at 6 p.m. Uh, so- uh, Southwest uh, High School. And hear what the mayor has to say about going forward for the city of Little Rock. Going forward. That means we're going someplace. We're not going backwards, we're going forward. So um, definitely we wanna go out and support uh, Mayor Scott's efforts into um, not only growing forward, but growing our, our cities and our communities within our city. And again, I wanna thank Michelle for coming onto the show and uh, thank our listeners, Wesley, for tuning in. And we wanna invite you to go to uh, our website, um, blackconsumernews.com and make us your daily digital read. We've got some great national stories. We have also great um, local stories on there as well. And so we also want you to sign up for our newsletter on the website for our Monday, Monday, Monday morning brew. And so to keep up with us with all the wonderful things that are going on again around the world. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to KABF 88.3, the voice of the people. And we hope we have been a voice to you today. All right. Peace and blessings to all.